Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 202 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, bad news. I think this may actually uh, cause me to leave the platform, but uh, two horsemen of the apocalypse have been unlocked. So in the last 24 <laughs> hours, and we're, we're recording this on Sunday, November 20th, Elon Musk has uh, unlocked Donald Trump's account and now Kanye West's account. So that, to me, is a failure to protect a community. Uh, already, uh, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate are back on. Um, you know, so it's like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, just super shitty. Yeah, all terrible people. Yeah, there's not a redeeming feature for any of these people. And I just, uh, yeah, I think that actually might be the last drop for me for a while. Well, I don't really use Twitter that much, as you know. You make fun of me for not using it enough for the podcast. Well, you don't use any social media at all, right? You, don't, you have no idea how to reach people. Where am I? That's a good question. Where are you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm coming from inside the house, Brian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like you, you're very, uh, you're minimalist when it comes to, to social media, right? I have a bunch of accounts, I guess. Well, a bunch. I have Twitter and I have Instagram. Instagram, I don't even have the app on my phone. Twitter, I actually have two apps on my phone. The uh, official Twitter app, which is not that great. And the um, great app that is called TweetBot, which I like a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a pure OG Twitter app user because it makes me laugh. And I also don't care enough to download a second app for it. Also, I can't even do that right now if I wanted to because two-factor authentication is not working. On Twitter? Nope. Oh, that's great. So if you want to get a code, for example, like I very smartly requested an archive of uh, my Twitter data and I can't get to it because it asks you to reconfirm your password. And since I have two factor on it, then it's supposed to send me a code via text message, but it's a, it, it, it can't trigger it. And apparently this is like a widespread problem. It's extra security even from yourself. Exactly. So Angelo, speaking of security, you describe yourself as like a risk averse person, right? Like you're not, <laughs> very you're not out so. here. You're not throwing money around. You don't go. Nope. Have you ever been to a casino? Yeah. I mean, we have a casino here in Montreal. I've been to it. I haven't been to it in like 10 years, if not longer than that. I don't think. Yeah, I know. It, it must, it's before my wedding. So like at least 15 years. So what you're saying is that there's a, the potential for you and I to record an episode post casino. From the casino? <laughs> I don't know if it allows to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think we get kicked out real fast with that yeah, one. Two dudes with microphones. Do you think that we were trying to like, you know, uh, you know, set each other up for blackjack or something like we're counting cards together as a team? Yeah, I, I think we'd be we'd try to be a little less conspicuous than walking around with podcasting equipment. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think, yeah, like uh, uh, another Elon Musk assertion, right, is that that recent uh, chess imbroglio with the, the suggestion of anal beads being used to cheat. I don't even understand how that works. I don't want to understand it. So it's kind of like Morse code with your butt. Oh, OK, great. Like someone else would be triggering it, giving you uh, an idea of what you're trying to do. Poop two for uh, queen to rook five, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Is that a correct term? I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person here. I play chess with my nine-year-old boy who sometimes beats me. Do you let him win, though? Not really. That's, uh, I don't know how to feel about that one. It's, it's the, he's that smart, Brian. You've I've seen be, him. He's precocious. I should be co-hosting a podcast with him, then. Yeah, he's pretty smart. Anyways, all this to say, I want to talk about FTX Alameda Research, a kind of troubled story that I think is very indicative of the cryptocurrency market. So I'm going to try and explain as best as I can. And obviously, I'm not a specialist in this. I'm not the most well-versed, but I think I'm more well-versed than you. Much more so. The only way I knew about the FTX thing, I first found that about it from uh, from friend of the show, Tyler, who has a 
Lewis Hamilton cap with the FTX logo on it. And he says, I guess I have to get a new cap now because FTX is no longer a sponsor of Mercedes. Uh, correct. Also, like a bunch of celebrities were paid to endorse FTX and things like that. So, okay. So FTX is a, a, um, cryptocurrency exchange so the idea is like it's like a marketplace right so what you do is you take your money you put it in and then uh you get ftt tokens to spend anywhere you want right so there's an equivalent and in order to use those you get discounts when you convert your money into those right so in theory that's great but then alameda uh, ftx and alameda so they're they're both the same company essentially despite them appearing to be different right so there's a guy you all know his name by now, probably if you're interested in this, Sam Bankman Freed, right? The name's kind of ironic, right? You are not the first person on the internet to yeah, point that I, out. Yeah, I, like, I, I, that's, that's what I put in the notes, is that I'm sure I'm not going to be the first person to point out that his name is really, really weird and ironic for this yeah. specific type of thing. Right. So Alameda Research is this crypto trading firm, right? So the idea here is you can't necessarily run an exchange in a crypto firm. It seems kind of like, um, you know, uh, against laws if they existed right because there's a you know it's kind of compromised and are there laws with cryptocurrency really not right now not right now it's it's really like the wild west yeah i mean this is all illiquid kind of of uh you know uh, stuff right so the idea there is like you know for example if you go to a bank right you put up money for a loan you put up collateral for a loan that is liquid right yeah versus cryptocurrency these tokens illiquid right so what ftx the exchange was doing um (laughs) <laughs> basically alameda was probably in financial trouble for like making a bunch of like super risky trades that ended up being wholly wrong for them right so they they completely screwed up on that end and there's a theory that they actually created ftx to sort of um collect money you know ponzi scheme style in order to send it from ftx to alameda to be able to cover these losses it's almost like a, a shell account almost right? like yeah a, a, yeah a side business uh, I'm surprised they're not in the Cayman Islands. That's where all the James Bond villains go. <laughs> right. Well, they're in the Caribbean, right? So at least like that's oh, where they are. Okay. Their see, house well, was. Guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're in the right place. Okay. Yeah. They're they're in James Bond villain territory. Do you know what a polycule is, Angelo? It sounds like something like it's a it's a chemistry term where there's there was one molecule, but now there are many. Sort of. It is. No, I know what it is. It's right. Isn't it like a a thripple a thruple. Well, yeah, no, it's more of a community modern. It's like, you know, being a polygamist, but insular into a community. Okay, perfect. So Alameda slash FTX were located in the, in the Caribbean. There's like a 10 member group there that like intermingled in more ways than one, right? So there's a suggestion, and this is the, the part that is hard because FTX and Alameda basically uh, kept a lot of financial documents in like Excel format. Excel's great for that, no? <laughs> i mean sure as so, long as they don't turn on macros right that's the bad thing yes if you Never turn on too on. many macros it's gonna freeze excel you're gonna be super screwed but yeah essentially their profits and losses and all of their bookkeeping because they didn't actually have a bookkeeper either this is like another interesting thing is that like they they didn't seem to have a bookkeeping team um they didn't know how much money was coming in or out at any given time they weren't able to track it's not that important actively. for this type of business no, there's just billions involved, right? Because the idea here is that like um, Alameda slash FTX going down has incinerated uh, somewhere between 10 and 20 billion dollars. It's a lot of money. So essentially, yeah. So FTX um, uh, uh, creates the FTT token, puts it out there, and then in trading through Alameda, um, they basically like inflate the price of FTT tokens. So they basically created their own kind of uh, fiat currency 
um, or non-fiat currency, I should say, and made it appear more important than it was because a ton of people were depositing money. And so they covered a lot of Alameda's losses. But the problem sort of arises uh, earlier this year in 2022 when basically like crypto crashed, right? Like it all kind of went crashing down, you know, May, June. We were talking about how I don't, how I don't know much about this stuff and it's I'm, I'm risk averse. There's no way I would ever be buying any of this. I remember hearing about cryptocurrency many, many years ago, I think on This American Life, where they were talking about the mystery person that came up with Bitcoin and nobody knows who he is. And that was my first exposure to any sort of cryptocurrency. And I think it was This American Life, but I could be wrong. So you're talking about the you're talking about the the illustrious Satoshi Nakamoto, right? The yes. creator of Bitcoin. Yes. So or yeah. non-creator, who knows at this point? Like no one's ever. We don't been know able who he is, him. right? No, exactly. So we're not quite sure. I mean, it's a pseudonymous name that is is used out there. I mean, that I mean, could be used in the uh, paranormal section of this of this episode. <laughs> yeah, it definitely could, right? So crypto's crashing, you know, um, mostly because people have decided to sell to bolster. So there's a whole theory that a bunch of uh, you know Wall Street guys sold off crypto in order to um, inflate their earnings for the quarter to look better. So with that happening, and that actually triggered a cascading effect, especially for FTX, for this, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried person um, who's already hurting because they're actually illegally or in theory, well, no, it is illegal, taking the currency, the actual currency that people put into FTX, handing it over Alameda to cover losses. And then when their loans got called in because they screwed up on the crypto stuff, that's sort of the inciting incident, which has kind of revealed um, everything going down and has led to this moment of, uh, you know, the emperor has no clothes. Meanwhile, like Alameda and FTX, one and one the other is one is like the other's not so secret identity. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're operating in tandem despite swearing up and down that they never did. Right. So we're at this point now where there's between ten and twenty billion dollars missing. There's creditors on their way looking for their money, looking to recover all of this because once again, like this is an inflated, illiquid kind of thing, right? So Sam Bankman Fried, a supposed billionaire, his wealth has crashed to essentially zero now, right? Because he didn't actually have a lot of liquid collateral or liquid assets to keep on hand. It was all tied up into the FTT coin. I mean, I think he's one of the more interesting aspects of this based on the article you sent me to look over. One of the takeaways I had is that the article discovers how he uses stimulants and he, he openly encouraged them, but I felt but like... But not, not, just, not just stimulants, though. Methamphetamine, like literally yeah, taking yeah. meth, staying up, you know. Um, and as you're probably aware, the longer you stay up, the more your brain fails to function in a rational manner, which leads you to do... A lot of wild trading. Yeah, like one thing I did like about the blog, I don't think it was really an article, it was a blog post you sent me, a very long and well-researched blog post, but the, the well-researched part made me laugh in that there was like almost a CSI level of like enhance the image where they found like folded out boxes of a type of stimulant he was taking on his desk. Did you get to that part of the yeah, article? Yeah, I, I read it all, Angela, before Yes, I, I, I thought it was pretty funny that it went through that depth to kind of prove how out there this guy was in terms of this type of business. You're not, I mean, I guess there is use of stimulants with day traders and things like that, right? To like keep going. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, this is just like a, a level above that. Right? Cause there's like, so there are two kinds of like crypto evangelists, right? There's the more financial side, the crypto bro kind of side of things who are in it purely for profit. And then there's the other side that are like, more like libertarians, they're kind of into the concept of decentralized banking more so than 
necessarily like making profits, right? So at the end of the day, they, they still come together. Yeah, neither of which are like your type of person. No, no. I mean, like crypto is like still and like has shown to be a wildly volatile way of spending your money, right? So I linked you to an article all about how the Ontario teacher's pension has lost $95 million in investing in FTX. Yeah, I'm wondering if my uh, wife's pension plan is also invested in this, although she's not an Ontario teacher. Is she with the case of the pool? I have no idea. I mean, she's like, she gets the same, she gets the pension that all Quebec teachers get. I'd be very curious. I don't think so. But yeah, so this was because, you know, all of these public or quasi-public funds and things like that investing heavily in crypto, um, when crypto was like rising, I felt like it was very short-sighted and I hate to be vindicated, but I feel vindicated right now. Yeah, maybe maybe the the guy on the teacher's pension is a a fan of... uh, certain uh, conservative political people here in in uh, Canada that were uh, pushing crypto. <laughs> I mean, perhaps, but yeah, I think there's just like this idea and, you know, when you saw regular people getting involved and in wanting to put a, a lot of their life savings and things like, for example, like Dogecoin last year, you know, after like, Elon Musk was like pumping it up and then it crashed during his SNL appearance, essentially like that night. You had a neighbor talking to you about uh, doggy coin. Yes. Right? The, the doggy coin lady. And uh, she's, she has since moved. Oh, too bad. Well, I mean, with all the money she made, she might as well move on up. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I put in $500 over the course of like a year. Just did you really? Yeah. Oh, you did. Look at you investing. Yeah. But I mean, like I wasn't, I wasn't risking my shirt the way that some people have. Yeah. I I am. uh, I invested uh, $500 under my mattress. That's where I keep my money. That's the best place, right? (laughs) Do you, is any of your money invested at all? Yeah, we're joking about this, but yeah, no, I have, I have my money invested. I also have a, a pension through work and stuff. I'm sure that's invested. Mm, that's in a, that's a rarity these days, so congrats. Yeah, I know. I'm very lucky. And um, yeah, I know I have a few investments. I have, I, I don't have that much money, Brian. Like, I just have some, some random retirement investments that are moderately like risky, if not at all. Like it, 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 you know, so the bank asks, where do you want to invest your money? Low risk? Medium risk, high risk, and the highest I went was medium risk. Huge surprise there. Shocked, right? Shocked, Brian. <laughs> I'd rather know that my money will be there when I retire so that I have it. Or so you the, the money I put in- aside, for example, if I need to buy a new Mac. That money is not in a risky bank account. It's in a savings account. Let me just kind of give an analogy to kind of explain at the end of the day what has happened, right? So you, you know of Chuck E. Cheese, right? Yeah, the awesome uh, arcade founded by, uh, I was going to say Roland Emmerich, but no, Roland, Roland Bushnell, <laughs> uh, founder of Atari. Roland Emmerich, do, founder of many uh, You mean uh, Nolan Bushnell, movie. not Roland. Oh, yeah, it's true. Nolan Bushnell. I should yes. know his name because my son's named the same. Not named well, after him, go. but still. Yeah, okay. Why, well, Roland, Nolan sounds similar. I'm going to start calling my son Roland. Please do. without, And then he'll be like, Dad, are you just getting old in the brain? Roland Emmerich, uh, founder of Chuck E. Cheese as it explodes with the rest of the world. <laughs> all right, so you go to Chuck E. Cheese, you take your $20 bill, you exchange it for coins, right, to use all around? I thought the arcades at Chuck E. Cheese were free. I can't even remember anymore, but I'm just, I'm giving you an analogy of going to an arcade, you exchange money for tokens, right? Okay. So these tokens, um, you know, uh, you're, and this is another thing that FTX was like guaranteeing no downside, which is just wrong. That's no, another Ponzi no, scheme. Like, when you're investing, there's always a possibility. Yeah. So the idea there is that like you're in an ecosystem that's always rewarding you, right? While Chuck E. Cheese takes that money and just hands it off to its neighbor to do uh, to pay off its like gambling debts or whatever. Yeah, 
So essentially that's what it is. It's at the end of the day is that like there is a lot going on here that's a lot of uh, illegal uh, inter-trading. And so early this week, uh, Binance was poised to buy them. But after uh, kind of looking at the hilarious Excel sheets, realized that it would be financially irresponsible for them to buy into this. And that led to a bank run. So a bank run is essentially when everyone decides to withdraw their money, right? So yeah, you see it in uh, its own there for life. Essentially, yeah. Uh, but if if you see people, you know, um, uh, going on a bank run, if you're FTX, you kind of have to put a stop to it, right? Like, kind of everyone's taking the money out. You don't have enough money to cover everyone. I mean, everything I know about bank runs is from uh, movies from the 30s that are about Christmas. <laughs> I do love the. Uh, isn't it's a wonderful world in the 40s? If uh, it's a wonderful life, 30s, yeah, 40s, 40s, 40s. Okay, it's all the same at that point. It's just like my kids when they talk about really, really old music from like the early 2000s. And your bones start to hurt. Yeah, they have been hurting a lot. I think, I feel like your Chuck E. Cheese analogy is one of the best I've heard. Yes. I just, now, I now I think, understand it. Well, the thing is, like, when you take those tokens and you want to go back to getting your money at the end of the day, you know, uh, in this current state, you're not getting anything back. You're stuck with useless tokens that are worth nothing. Yeah, you have to go talk to the animatronic mouse that might give you a beating. <laughs> I do like that idea a lot, actually. Yeah. But yeah, the idea of like, you know, fiat currency is always like a kind of standard right now. It's the standard that we use. Cryptocurrency hasn't been widely adopted enough. It's also super volatile, so it doesn't make any sense for you and I to exchange our life savings into crypto and seeing where that goes. Because once again, there's like not enough of a market history. There are too many question marks for me and crypto as a fad, I think has passed and I think it'll do another resurgence in a couple of years, but I don't see it going back up again. Yeah. And I, I think in the future though, Brian, now this is a serious topic. We should compare some famous crypto bros to some famous cryptids and match them. You know what? I'm into that wholly and utterly. I think it's a great idea. Uh, you know, and the, the funny thing about Stan Bankman Fried is that he was like supposed to, like, he's this like well thought of person. He was supposed to speak at a New York Times conference with Zelensky in a couple of days, I think, or that's happening right now. I can't remember. Like, it was in the middle of November. But, you know, the idea here is that, like, so a lot of right wing people are jumping down uh, uh, his throat because of the fact that, like, he was a huge contributor to Joe Biden's campaign. He's a, he's a staunch Democrat, right? So a lot of right wingers, left wingers are pointing, you know, fingers at each other. But at the end of the day, and you and I have talked about this. It doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you fall on because it's all about viewing it through a class lens, right? So rich people acting rich. And with that <laughs> yeah. being said, the concept of effective, uh, effective altruism, are you aware of this? Explain it to me, Brian. So it is the idea that you make money to better the world and vice versa. Okay. And is that what uh, – that's, that's what Elon Musk does. Well, so he's kind of included in that, right? So, but the idea here is that, like, you make money in order to save the world, um, and you use data to figure out where it is most effective to put that money in. So, the idea here is that, like, you know, you look towards global causes and you sort of work that way. But everyone kind of forgets that, like, people make a lot of money off of that, too. Like, it, it's a two way street that everyone kind of ignores because they want to be seen as, like, you know, uh, I heard someone describe it as like the main character syndrome when you when you buy into effective altruism is the idea that you are, you know, saving the world yourself through your own actions. But it's really it's it's kind of a weird concept to think about. Well, I mean, just in, look at Elon Musk, right? He's like, save the world by buying electric cars. You should buy some of my electric cars. Oh, there you go. Right. And oh, what's this? I got a, a multi-billion dollar bonus. Oh, so strange. Yeah. So, you know, that that he's not necessarily like uh, putting back into society to solve its problems. Right. No. 
And where do you think this will end in terms of crypto? Will what is this? Describe like, this. So in terms of cryptocurrency, will it ever surpass the regular currency we have now? Surpass in what way? As like the main dominant form in which we exchange things? Yeah, you know, like we'll be in the future and we'll be talking credits like they do in like Star Wars. I mean, that's fiat though, right? So it'd be, it cha- it, it'll turn into that. No, what I'm saying is that like fiat will always be fiat, right? I, I do not believe that like we will we will not move to a crypto currency standards. I do not think that that Ever. will work out. No, okay. I because of the fact that you know you and I have talked about you know we have first world problems, but a lot of the third world isn't hooked up. Like they're just going to be no. even more uh, poorer by the end of that if we decide to do that because they'll be left out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, so I do that's not, my thought I, as well. Definitely not in our lifetime. We're not going to see yeah. that. No, it's also not an investment either, right? It's just a a very risky fen- uh, venture that just, it feels like a Ponzi scheme continually. It all seems like a scam to me. It never comes off sounding sincere and useful. It's always some fast-talking guy trying to sell you something, and then you finish talking to him, and you're penniless. I do find the concept of decentralized banking interesting. I don't know if cryptocurrency is the way to do it because of the fact that like it's so easily hacked right all of these wallets get hacked all like you know there's there's a ton of problems like celsius going under like another you know uh, exchange that got into huge trouble like there's there's so many unregulated bits of the crypto idea as it exists now that i cannot see this going forward no it just seems also shady to me it is right now and that's the problem is that you like it's supposed to bring about honesty but actually it kind of feels like the inverse yeah people like me not interested Risk averse, no good. Are you interested in internet content, though? Always. I love internet content. So I sent you an article from The Verge this week all about um, the golden era of BuzzFeed. Now, Angelo, I feel like you're just going to be cranky again. Oh, I never really read BuzzFeed. I was too good for that. No, you know? I like BuzzFeed. What are you talking about? It, it was entertaining for what it was. I, I have not looked at BuzzFeed in a long time in terms of their main site. I thought they were good now. Like, weren't they like, a winning Pulitzer Prizes and stuff, and all of a sudden it's bad now? You're talking about two things. You're talking about BuzzFeed okay. and BuzzFeed News, right? So BuzzFeed News is like a quasi-independent um, uh, arm of BuzzFeed Media, which has been shut down. So that is... Okay, so, so it no longer exists. Okay, so the No, they have reporters, of- but it's a skeleton guru. Okay, okay. All right, because I remember us talking about how much better BuzzFeed News, I guess that's what it was, is now. It, it, they're like hard-hitting stories, and I guess yes, that no longer That happens. didn't make any money, so... That is problematic for something like BuzzFeed. Exactly. So that got shut down. Uh, so, but you know, the idea of the Web 2.0 revolution ten years ago was the idea of UGC, user generated content, right? So all of these BuzzFeed listicles and articles relied on people's tweets, Reddit posts, Instagram posts, etc., in order to build articles um, that saw virality, right? A lot of the BuzzFeed quizzes back in the day were super popular, but those were built off the um, the backs of some people who actually like volunteered to give quizzes out at first and then weren't actually paid for it and then uh, made a stink and so a lot of that content was was paid for because those that kind of super viral stuff on facebook was kind of facebook's lifeblood for a couple of years when i used facebook that's what it was for basically (laughs) back when i was looking at facebook and caring about it i thought you were gonna say farmville no, I never played any of the Facebook. It's not, that's like, come on. I, I, I'm a console gamer. That's beneath me. <laughs> I do like the idea of you getting mad about that. Yeah. Uh, it's just like console gamers, uh, when you talk about that to PC gamers, we're beneath them. 
Yeah, well, PC Master Race, right? So yeah, that that term makes my skin crawl. It's awful. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's also like not a term that is widely used anymore. I haven't seen it used all that much in a long time. Thankfully, Good. So. That, that's something that did need to be canceled. Yeah, but the idea here, so that uh, you know, uh, the Verge article kind of goes through um, the moment in the sun that BuzzFeed had, and kind of like how it's just. It's kind of a click farm now, more than it ever was, because they pay people a hundred bucks to put together a quiz. That is, yeah. And also, it's the the framing device here is the idea that uh, you know people like, for example, like they use the the redditor whose comment was taken for a post without like uh, asking the re- like the redditor for permission, right? And it was something kind of personal, and so they felt uh, you know kind of shocked and dismayed at the idea of their content living on another platform without their um, uh, their agreement. I think in the back of my mind, I realized that was happening with BuzzFeed, but having it spelled out like this made it that much more real. I did like the, some of the comments. There's uh, somebody who talked about how they were getting articles and how they were quoting people from different either forums or Reddit and stuff. And one of the journalists talked about how she wasn't sure if, you know, she, uh, she, uh, the quote is, I struggled with being like, am I supposed to quote buttplug69? And this was a, a former staffer, because everything's anonymous, right? And I, I thought the idea of some poor reporter having to put that in quotes made me laugh. The kind of moral quandary you go through when you realize that, what do I have to put this name out there? You know? Yeah, these, these handles are not exactly the same as uh, regular people's names. So the idea of the social internet has kind of moved, though, when you really think about it. You know, if you look at Facebook, you know, even eight years ago it was still all about user-generated content but on another platform right so it's kind of moved on um the buzzfeedication of the world has kind of come to an end it's kind of like it exists it still gets clicks but it's not nearly as prevalent as it used to be as like a cultural touchstone yeah it made me realize that a lot of stuff doesn't last anymore um, as long as things did for example radio newspapers those things lasted so long because Technology wasn't really advancing that quickly for that type of media. Whereas now, with the internet and how quickly it moves and how fast we go past any fad, these things don't last long at all. And I mean, radio and newspapers are still around, but not as much as they were for what, the most of the 20th century? Well, newspapers even more than that. But the radio, radio is what? When did radio start, Brian? 1906. Wow, okay. It's just as old as the uh, three and a half inch uh, jack for uh, headphones. <laughs> yeah, essentially the, the same lifespan. But yeah, I think it's really interesting the way that, uh, to think about that, right? Because the, the circles and loops of time have, are kind of closing in a little bit more um, as you look at like social media um, sites, you know, for example, like I think a very famous one, but that's also due to mismanagement. Like you look at MySpace, right? MySpace 2000 it was a mess, yeah. Four to 2010 ish. You know, and then Facebook overtook it. And now Facebook's kind of a weird content graveyard that I think most people just use to either buy and sell stuff. If I were to have a look at the analytics. I mean, the people I know that use Facebook just kind of use it to keep in touch with people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's also like a standalone messenger app that I do not care enough to download either. So, yeah, I yeah. My daughter had to recently sign up for that uh, for school because some things are passed through messenger and she did not want to sign up for Facebook. My daughter, I think, is like an 80-year-old lady in a 13-year-old's body because she does not want to have anything to do with cell phones. She's not nothing to do with the internet. She's not interested in TikTok or Instagram or anything. 
which is fine by me. Do you think so of the current fads? Let's you know TikTok. Is that going to last? How long is that going to last? I feel like it's almost generational, right? So I'd probably give it like another five years in the sun, if that, right? Because the other problem too is they got to remember that like uh, TikTok is Chinese owned. Yeah, that's you know, which is another wrinkle in the kind of um, uh, global war for information. People forget about that, or they just gladly ignore it because TikTok is so much fun. You know, ByteDance, you know, being a, a Chinese corporation running this, uh, there's all kinds of tales about like information being shared uh, across international lines and them collecting all kinds of user data, right? So it's kind of iffy there. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out because I know at one point that uh, they wanted to force uh, some American ownership of it, but who knows what that would have looked like either. Like the government tried to intercede. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give it like five years, let's say. Yeah, I never posted anything to TikTok. I did a couple and then like I actually deleted it. I don't know if I told have we talked about this? I deleted it like 10 months ago. No, no. I mean, I, I, I signed up for TikTok just for this podcast because you, you asked me to just sign up and not put anything in there. And uh, we discovered that it'll just try to show you butts and boobs if you don't really uh, choose anything. And yeah. um, that was horrifying. Yeah. The algorithm was very, very interesting and i use interesting in air quotes no i gave up on it because i realized that i was becoming addicted to it to, uh, to like a very unhealthy degree like i was just like i was on there for like 45 minutes a day oh my god just mindlessly scrolling and killing your absolutely. Phone's battery absolutely wow. so i kind of gave up no, on you did that, not so. tell me this i think you yeah, you, cold turkey you were and i was just like you, I, you were embarrassed brian to tell me <laughs> yes, that is obviously the case. I'm embarrassed to tell you in the world that I gave up on TikTok. No, I just yeah. I don't see a compelling reason to to come back to it necessarily. Like just like Twitter, like I don't I think my time with Twitter is closer to being done than not. I feel though something like podcasting is going to last a little longer, right? Like podcasting was invented by Serial in 2014, right? But I mean, how long is it going to last? <laughs> I've been listening to podcasts since 2005, I think. 2005, 2006, when like whenever the first podcast was in that year, I started listening to podcasts because I remember I was a, a fan of tech TV. Remember tech TV early, yep. like mid 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 two thousands around there. Like two thousand, I was watching it in two thousand one, two thousand two, and then like the the cord got yanked from tech TV, and all the hosts from there just started podcasts. And I that's how I got introduced into podcasts, and then I realized, oh wait a minute, there's stuff other than tech podcasts, and then I started listening to other things as well. So here's something interesting that I kind of want to throw out there that is podcast specific, right? So a lot of the podcast kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, their appearance on the internet is largely things t- due to Apple's RSS feed. Yeah. Being the pr- the primary ha- handing outer of of links to other podcasts. Well, it's, is it, it's not. So look, it's not our Apple's RSS feed. You put your RSS feed it's Apple's in directory. Apple's yes. Sorry, directory. That's, exactly. that's kind of what I meant, technically speaking, is that they their feed to other um, yeah. Uh, so, platforms. for example, we we both use Overcast, and uh, Mark Armit, the developer of Overcast, uses he pulls from it, right? He pulls from he pulls from Apple's uh, directory. And yes, it's great. So, what I'm saying is that like podcasting can continue the way it is in this ecosystem until Apple decides to do something about the th- their collection. Yeah, and I don't think they seem interested in doing that. They shockingly for like a major corporation the major corporation of all things tech they're really hands off with that they just want people to just put their podcast there they're happy to be the the one place where everybody relies on podcasts to be collected i feel like spotify wants that 
and they're never going to have it. Well, Spotify too, like they'll insert dynamic ads into podcast episodes on the free tier. And also like they have exclusives, you know, like yeah. I, I, Joe Rogan, for example, which you and I have talked about to death. So if somebody listens to our podcast using Spotify, they get ads from Spotify? No, not on the paid tier. But but if they're using the uh, the free, so can somebody who doesn't pay for Spotify can they listen to our podcast using Spotify? They can. I don't and then there's going to be ads. Why would they do that? Because it's convenient. Yes, you're already in the ecosystem, right? Okay. That's yeah. the whole idea for Spotify, right? Is they want to keep you in the ecosystem for every kind of like audio um, uh, undertaking you want. Even they're getting into the the you know the audio book game. Right. Yeah, meanwhile, so, Apple has separated all that out, right? Like for audio. Well, I was gonna say, have, so coming back to the Apple director, like I feel like there were some rumblings when they launched their native podcasting app a couple of years ago about what are they going to do with the directory? How is that going to look like? I mean, their podcasting app has been around since I think like 2011 is when they split it out from the music app, and it was not a very good app back then. I don't use it. I I've used it a couple of times just to try it. Uh, I like I said. I, I don't like the prefer, UI. Honestly, yeah, I really don't like the UI. I much prefer Overcast, especially for for us that we often listen to uh, the initial uh, first pass of our episode. We just dump it onto Overcast servers, and then it just pulls into the podcast app, which is a great way for us to make sure that the podcast sounds good in an actual podcast app. That is right. I mean, it's a good way to QA things. I'm very happy to do that. Yeah, as for podcasting, I'm not quite sure how that's going to go either, right? I'm kind of curious. So something, you know, with a very short life cycle right now is the metaverse, right? Like a year ago is all the rage. Where's it now? I have no interest in that at all. I, I think the problem also is that it was like when it was full on pandemic, where now we're getting into the endemic phase and people are actually starting to want to go back to their offices. I don't know why they would want to do that, but people do like seeing other people. I don't, but some people do. You heard it here, folks. The uh, antisocial hermit has sort of uh, laid down the law yet once again. I'm going into the office one day this week, at least. <laughs> one day, at least. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. One day, at least. I'll uh, get onto the train with my hazmat suit. <laughs> Wipe down the seat. Stare at all the grubby germ feeders. I actually don't feeders. sit on the train. So, so you stand for what? What is it like a like a forty minute, forty five minute? Forty minute, yeah, forty minute because uh, it's easier on my back, and also I'm right next to the door, so I can get the heck out of that train right away. Funny enough, Brian, if you're sitting, let's say in one of the middle seats, and you have to walk with everybody out of the train station, it is a good fifteen minute delay. Well, it's just like the like a plane, right? When you're deplaning, yeah. yeah. So I like being the first person off the train, right at the doors. I just bound my way up the stairs, and I'm off to the office start my day and sit at a computer while it updates for 45 minutes to an hour. I feel like this is a good time to switch things over. I think we've uh, beaten the dead horse there with podcasting for a bit. Let us head on over to the paranormal side of things. See you there. What can space be? What can it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is this just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this episode will be launched into another entry into the Alien Cinema series. (laughs) 
So we're going to be talking about Jordan Peele's 2022 movie, Nope. So, you know, uh, let's be honest here. Spoilers abound. So if you haven't watched the movie yet. Stop listening now. Stop listening. We're warning. We're not going to go into some synopsis without spoilers. We are going to go straight into spoilers if we need to. Exactly. So let us go ahead and do that. Angelo, you watched it last night. I saw it a couple of months ago, but, you know, watched various clips on YouTube to refresh myself. Let's walk through the story a little bit. High level. We don't have to necessarily get into who did what at all times, but. It's it's the type of movie I like where there's not much action or anything. It's just like this, a slow burn. For I always say that my favorite part of Independence Day is the first 45 minutes when nobody knows what the hell's going on. And another reason why I like the show Invasion from Apple TV+, Plus, where a lot of people said it was boring, I found it really interesting because, yeah, nothing's happening, but it's just you're seeing what people are going through and thinking about when there's an actual alien invasion going on. Yes. So, anyways, all that being said, let us get to a quick synopsis of it. So, it is a brother-sister combo who live out um, north of Los Angeles in California, and they start encountering things in the night. Yeah, the, the was it the opening scene where he's talking to his dad, and you just see stuff moving around? And dropping from the sky. Is it? Yeah, so I, I couldn't, at first I couldn't tell. It seemed like stuff was being sucked up from the ground, but yeah, it was dropping, and then... His dad, does his dad fall over or something? Something and like, well, he gets hit by it, right? So, Larry, yeah, he uh, gets hit yeah, by a coin. Yeah. yeah, so Keith David gets hit by a coin, he goes down. So, uh, the Kiki Palmer and uh, and her brother are in charge of this ranch where they rent out horses to Hollywood productions. And so, they become embroiled in this uh, kind of weird mystery about not knowing what's going on in the night. There's, there's a lot of movement and things like that. So, eventually, they team up. With the guy from Fry's Electronics, shout out to Fry's, which was a, a dearly departed uh, chain of electronic stores, and uh, an old cinematographer from one of the movies. So they decide to combine the digital as well as the the analog, right, in order to try and capture whatever um, this entity is. Yeah, because they discover early on that it does interfere with digital signals, and I think it just cuts off electricity altogether. Exactly, yeah. So when it kind of hovers over the ranch house, it kind of does that. And so it's quickly revealed kind of towards the end that it is a biological entity. So the the saucer that you see is the, you know, the classic saucer shape is just when it's in stealth mode hiding out. Yeah, because it, uh, we're going straight to the end, but it just opens up into like this kite-like creature at the end, sort of. Yeah, beautiful and organic and kind of interesting. I saw some uh, people online suggested, and I kind of see it as uh, it looks like an early film camera from like the 1910s or sorry, like, the, like let's say the 1900s. Well, the, that sort of has to do with at a right when the movie starts, you see zooming into the famous image of the horse being uh, to prove that a horse jumps is off all four legs when it's galloping. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and it kind of looks like the image. It does look like an image from a camera. So there's this whole textual kind of, of layer of the history of cinema being shown through this movie, right? Because obviously this creature with the camera face is digital in nature. It's not a practical effect. One thing I do want to say before I forget is I love how, uh, what was the kid, the guy's name from Fry's? I can't, I can't remember his name. Angel? You're asking. I should. Yeah. I should remember I mean, like, his listen, name. I saw. I saw the movie when it came out in July. So yeah, yeah, I should remember. It, it's like my name. I think his name is Angel, right? If I'm not yes. mistaken. I mean, you can okay. always use the internet to look it up. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I just like that he mentions how he's annoyed by the name change to UAP. 
Yes, I love that that particular comment too. And it's kind of interesting because they they kind of do the the sort of the same sort of style of work that a lot of like ufologists want to do in terms of like using digital assets and uh, digital resources to track things. And then like there's the whole classic analog film camera kind of way of doing it. Yeah, and they except they actually uh, provide uh, actual evidence, not like all the people saying they're filming UFOs and then they they talk about all this evidence they have. They have amazing shots; they just never show them. They can't. They're getting them ready. That or like they're told not to, right, by the government yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah, that's exactly what happens. Do you think Jordan Peele is into UFOs? Yes. Okay. Have you do have you confirmed this? Like, has he talked about this? No, but I mean, like, someone who makes a movie like this and clearly has thoughts about it is very uh, into it. I'd imagine, like, you have to be passionate about the subject matter and want to do it. Yeah, especially, like, when you're when you're calling out the, the horrible name change to UAPs. Yeah, and that's the thing that, that kind of t- tipped me off. That, like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, uh, he might be referring to, like, the, cur- the current, you know, times in, in the ufology community, uh, community. Yeah, I mean, this was done post- um, New York, uh, New York Times starting to report yeah. about this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I just found uh, so Jordan Peele did a roundtable with several of the movie stars, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, who also was like a great addition. I thought very interesting kind of. Yeah, he was great. Um, uh, and Daniel An Kaluuya, odd character. Yes, uh, but I like odd characters, right? And so he does believe that there are aliens out there. Okay, cool. So the sh- the movie does open with a bizarre shot where you see a chimpanzee like dancing practically over somebody's body. And you're left to wonder what was going on. And I could not wait to get to see what that was about and how that fit into the movie. And it, it turns out it has nothing to do with aliens, but it's the backstory of Steven Yoon's character and how he came to be where he is now. Do you want to do, do, you want to do like a deeper analysis with me? Sure, please. I think it is pointing out to the fact that like you cannot tame certain natural forces that do not want to be tamed. I feel like the chimpanzee and the UFO are analogous creatures. Yeah, well, the horse also at the beginning when uh, they keep the people on set keep going around the horse and OJ keeps trying trying to tell them not don't go near him, don't go near him, and then they scare the horse with that bizarre mirror. Yeah, it gets and it kicks. It kicks. It almost kicks the poor makeup lady. Yeah, so I just I find it very interesting. I feel that there's some parallels to be drawn there, apart from you know it being Stephen Yeun's backstory. I feel like there is a way to read that that is just like you. There are certain forces you can control, and you know, um, strong-willed individuals or strong-willed animals or strong-willed entities do not abide to that, right? So at the end of the day, it turns out that the the UFO UAP creature, you know, almost like a cryptid, let's say. Yeah, it, it ends up turning into a cryptid, and. Um the words of wisdom here don't look it in the eye. Exactly, right? So I found that kind of interesting, the parallel with the camera too. And then, of course, so it turns out it loves eating people and it hates inanimate objects. Yeah, it spits them all out. Now, something also that early on in the film, there's noises coming from the stables and OJ goes out to see what it is and you see Grays and... My first thought is like, wow, this movie is just going all in. And that's when the uh, titular nope is first said. Exactly. Uh, which I burst out laughing because it was, he's just, yeah, I'm, I'm gone. Right? You don't go investigate further. You're just leaving. Turns out it was uh, the children of uh, the aforementioned uh, character. Uh, Steven Ricky, character. Uh, yeah, R- Ricky Park is his name, actually. Right. Uh, I thought that fake out was great. I thought that um, scene in particular was like super well shot. 
yeah, really creepy. Uh, and uh, it's it was if they were actually going to be aliens, it may have surpassed my uh, fun alien scene from. I was going to say the happening, but it's not signs. the happening. It's the, the signs. Yeah, that was like the one good scene from that movie. I I was just I was thinking that in the theater when I was watching that I was like wow this actually is a a great kind of analogous to that uh, I'm kind of interested in, in seeing what Jordan Peele would have done with Signs right if he was given that script because he probably wouldn't have done it let's be honest the script is kind of stupid at the end of the day yeah yeah it's sad well so yeah so now cutting back to when we find out what this thing is we still don't know what it is when it it ends up over. Uh, what was the name of the uh, the amusement the park? The ranch, yeah. There was like an amusement park slash ranch where he was going to show this creature. Or well, they didn't know it was a creature. He thought it was a UFO at the time. All these people are watching. You actually see his former co-star who was uh, horribly injured by the chimpanzee. You kind of see her face. You know what I'm talking about, Brian? Yeah, she's got the flappy hat on. She was actually in the trailer. Yeah, and, and you were, you're wondering in the trailer who this uh, disfigured woman is and now you find out what what happened it's because of the chimpanzee attack and all these people just die and it's yeah. horrible that scene yeah. you just see them get sucked in and getting literally digested i was wondering where this was going i use the power of the internet so the the amusement park is called jupiter's claim okay and that's why he's called ricky jupe park exactly yeah so yeah so this that horrifying scene of like knowing and so you know the steven character has this he understands that like this thing needs to eat because he's been feeding it horses yeah but he so did he did he know we don't know at that time yet that it's an actual living creature we kind of still think it's a ufo of some kind yeah like a mechanical sort of motor getting sucking things in and i i thought almost it was something like um war of the worlds where it's turning people into like goop to feed to the machines basically but it's just it's much more literal yeah it is literally food then this thing flies over the house, the ranch house, and just rains blood on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just turns red everywhere. Jordan Peele's been more known for horror movies, and this aspect of it quickly turns horrific to me. Yeah, I mean, like that, the owl scene, like there's just a lot there that like is very enjoyable. The Not owl knowing- scene, what are we talking about? There's an owl scene? Did I miss that? So the alien creatures at one point, the kids, look like owls. Like, their masks look like owls very briefly. Really? Okay. I just, I felt they looked like greys. Oh, yeah. No, well, that's afterwards when it's more illuminated. But go check it out. Um, uh, as okay. it unfolds, you see the different dimensions. Um, well, that's so that smart, the, actually, because yeah. that's, you know. That's lore. The, that's, the, the common explanation. Yeah. that's So, yeah, he really is into UFOs. For, for that type of reference to be in there, definitely uh, one of us. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a couple of like ideas there that like you can see um, owls in like different places. So like the the classic owl that haunts us all. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, I do appreciate the shout out to uh, Montreal's own Corey Hart with uh, sunglasses at night. <laughs> uh, 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 and enduring classic, really. Yeah i I wonder how that song got picked to be in this movie. I'd be very curious to know Jordan Peele's process for that. I'm sure there's an interview we can look up, but let's not. You do that are, are we going to get him on the show, Corey Hart or Jordan Peele? Jordan Peele. Oh, I'll call him up. I'll fax him. All right, cool. You'll fax him. Excellent. But I just so at the end of the day, I really enjoyed the movie because it, it threads two different narratives, right? So the literal the the UFO UAP um, conversation. You know, it's kind of interesting that it throws away the idea that we've had of UFOs being modes of transport. Yeah, and. 
actually being like a sky whale that sucks things up. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, that's a really good p- way of, of putting it. And then, you know, it kind of tosses aside the idea of the human-centric alien like that we all have. Like, oh, it has two arms, two legs, and a head. What a, a memorable scene for me, actually, is not just the fact that it's it becomes an animal, but how it hides. And when, um, this is, he has an odd name, Antler's Holst, the uh, cinematographer, mm-hmm. shows yeah. up. And uh, he talks about how the cloud has not moved an inch the whole time he's there. Yeah. And there's a lot of like very well uh, created and sustained suspense too. Yeah. In the movie, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, I enjoyed the, the, the surface story of that. And then kind of like, if you view the movie through the lens of like the history of cinema, it's also just as fascinating. Was that a, a purposeful a pun? I hope so. Through the lens of the history of cinema? I, I hope so. The the screaming, the screaming, Brian, when they were being juiced onto the house, that was awful. Yes. That screaming is really yes. haunting. So, spoiler. No, a spoiler. We've been spoiling the whole no, thing. No, 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 no. So, like, we've gone through the spoilers, right? And you also spoiled yourself earlier when we talked about whether or not we're going to talk about it. If we enjoyed the movie or not. You greatly enjoyed it. I greatly enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a really one. Some people did it, though. I think they were looking for more out of it, right? Because... I feel like they wanted the big angry thing that people were mad about on the internet was the chimpanzee stuff. How so? They were just angry that it didn't tie into the story directly. But it did. It kind of gave the motivation to Jupe to what he was doing and why he was trying to like figure things out. It traumatized him as a 10 year old. Yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of people like they don't get it. They, so, and I think anyways, this is like a whole other thing where it's, it's just like the blockbusterfication of movies. Yeah, they right. just they need to go relax and listen to some Imagine Dragons or something. <laughs> well, speaking of of movies that kind of like uh, subvert expectations, have I think you need to watch Barbarian. Okay, that's that's there. It's on my. It's it's easily watchable because it's on Disney Plus. I'm not going to say anything. Um, don't read any descriptions. Just go watch it. Okay, I'll go watch it right now after I'm done okay. this. Yeah, because uh, I, I feel like that's another movie that I saw last week that I greatly enjoyed. That is, the less you know, the better off you are. And I kind of like that That that's kind of the way that Jordan Peele operates with his trailers. Like, he doesn't give too much away, and it's all very strategic. That, that type of statement makes me think of a friend of mine who went to see From Dust Till Dawn, thinking it was another uh, Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, having no idea it was about vampires, and thinking it was about a heist. And if if you think about it that way, the first 45 minutes to an hour of that movie, there's no vampires. And, and then the all of a sudden it's vampires. It just drops out, yeah. I would love to have been able to watch that movie having no idea it was about <laughs> vampires. Because ever since then, that's my joke, right? When I talk to like people about like movies and stuff. Oh, did you get to the part about vampires and stuff, right? They could be watching a Disney movie and I'll just mention vampires or and or aliens. I like aliens too. That movie actually had it. So, okay, so you're saying Barbarian, I should not, is, okay, please tell me Conan the Barbarian shows up, because that would be really cool. <laughs> that is literally what happens, yeah, like okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger reprising his role. Yeah. Uh, sort of related, there's been this interesting kind of idea that, uh, so, you know Conan, right, the Barbarian, so there are different ages of Conan, so the uh, towards the end of his like lifespan, canonically, there's the King Conan, kind of, uh, when he's older, kind of thing, okay. so... Um, that idea kind of got battered around that, like, uh, maybe Arnold would come back as a King Cole, Conan, like a grizzled, older version of himself. Didn't Jason Momoa pay, play Conan? He sure did, and I completely forgot that it existed. Yeah. 
Okay. See, I'm not that crazy. No, no. The, the thing is like that and John Carter kind of came out like around the same time. Right. So I always taught, I always fold Conan into John Carter, which I think was the superior movie. I have not seen John Carter. It is on Disney plus my friend. And I think you should give it a shot. It's sad that they, it's sad that like they didn't market it properly because it could have been a really good franchise. Isn't that with Taylor Kitsch? It sure is. And he, he does a really, really good job, actually. Poor so. guy. Every movie he's done has been not well received. He was he in played, Battleship, wasn't he? Or was it Battle Battle Los Angeles? One of those two. Uh, he was also, he played David Koresh, right? In the Waco miniseries. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, from a couple of years ago. That was actually really, really good, too. He was in Friday Night Lights. And he was also in a season of True Detective. Interesting. I haven't watched the, True Detective. The much maligned season. season two. Okay. All right, so like if we had to recommend, nope, uh, hearty recommendation from Double Density, correct? Oh, like 16 thumbs up. Yeah, perfect. So uh, all eight of our hosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The two of us and then the two uh, doppelgangers that we're slowly creating in a lab that we haven't mentioned yet till episode like 350. Yeah, and then my cat, cause she's like polydactyl, so she got, she's got a few. Is she, is she a member of a polycule? No, she's not. She just has extra paws. No, not extra paws. Extra claws. I would hope it's not extra pause because then we'd have to have a whole different conversation about That's what you've been that, doing. I'd have my own little cryptid here. <laughs> That's quite true. I feel like this is a logical place to end episode 202 of the Double Density Podcast. Angelo, it is time once again to tell people where they can find us. Nope. For the time being, you can find us on Twitter at double underscore density, Instagram at double density podcast. And I was uh, waiting for the whole episode to do that doubledensity.net to find out all about us see Brian where you annoyed. can subscribe to our shows but you can just open up your favorite podcast app and look us up we're going to be there yeah except spotify don't look at us spotify spotify no exactly spotify. go go yeah don't give them more money on the free tier than you need to like go find uh you know th- there are uh, a number of like really good free android apps there's even the the stock apple podcast app that you can go check out right but so not on android just, no <laughs> <laughs> it'd be weird to rootkit an android just to run ios and uh, yeah, you get an yeah, get Android. You have you have you want Apple Podcast on your Android and Apple Music. Just have it all running at the same time. And right? iMessages. So. so just get an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's that's the best way to listen to us. I, you know, actually, if Twitter's still around, use Twitter to let us know if you listen to us on Spotify. Because I'm curious. Be who does. I know a couple of people do because they don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts. So they don't feel the need to to actually enable like a like a, a podcast app. And when you see them in person, do you smack the phone out of their hands and say, "Stop no, listening to I'm us." I'm much Spotify? more respectful. I'm much more okay. respectful than that. Okay. Though I'd I'd be surprised if you ever did something like that. No, I would never do that. You're very you're just, a very reserved man. Yeah, I just passive aggressively say, "Oh yeah, okay." Risk averse, <laughs> Angelo Fiorentino. Yeah, fun. That's what I do. <laughs> wrapping things up once again this has been it for episode 202 of the double density podcast you can tune in next week as we continue to learn more and more about crypto grifters angelo give me your money done <laughs>